We have one judge and he loves us for who we are, no matter how much of a hot mess we are. You're right on. <laughs> and he'll work on us. But we have to start by simply just saying, and it seems cliche. It's not necessarily like I am beautiful. Look in the mirror, say it 10 times. And then the whole time you're like, but I'm not. But I'm not. <laughs> it really comes down to how we talk to ourselves. The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast, and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit, because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, good afternoon, Matt. Hey, Marty, it's so good to see you. Good to see you. We have Erin Moore here, who I know from another life, and she is a healthy living strategist. And uh, we'll have the links to her website and places where you can contact her. But welcome, Erin. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. It's great to kind of reconnect with Marty and meet you, Matt. I'm excited. I've become a fan of The Shepherd and the Shrink. So I'm very excited and honored to be on here. I love how you guys just have a lot of different topics and just keep it real and have a real conversation. So loving the show and I'm honored to be on here. That's so cool. I have a question. Healthy living strategist. Yes. Say more about that. It's the first time I've heard that phrasing. Well, so, you know, I am a health coach for what most people would understand or a wellness coach. But, you know, as I've kind of progressed into how I coach people and how I work with people, I just one day was like, it's just something more. I don't know if it was a download from God or what it was, but I was like, I'm a healthy living strategist because there's a lot of components to it, you know? So, Aaron, why is it so hard now? I, I think about this every single day. Why is it so hard? Why are we getting sicker and sicker as sort of material wealth is going up historically for sure, yes. right? And we have more uh, access to uh, information and tools, but we seem to be getting worse. Well, we, yes, as a society and as a whole, we spend more and more money on our healthcare, our skincare, all of it, yet it all continues to get worse, just like you said. And ultimately, I think it is absolute information overload. I cannot tell you how many people I work with that even if they've worked with me for years, they come back to just, just tell me like the magic, the secret ingredient, but they're also still busy following and watching and listening to anything they can. I mean, we have everything at our fingertips. You can Google anything and read for hours and get stuck in a YouTube loop and then turn around and your neighbor says something else. And then you're just frozen in this state of overwhelm where then you do nothing because you feel like you have no idea what to do. You're confused. Yes. So that is where I come along and I keep it all simple and I break it down and I bring it back to the basics. Beautiful. Well, one thing about information is because uh, I'm in pretty good shape now. 
That's what people will ask me. Uh, you know, what do you do? And I say, okay, I'll tell you, but you won't do it. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. You know, I, I also think it's a spiritual problem, but we can get into that later on in the podcast, because if, if you don't have that together, it gets a lot easier when you get that in the mix. So, yes. So why is more information not helpful? I mean, you know, do they try something and then um, it doesn't work and then they switch or what, 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 what is it with the information? Well, I mean, it really is that you get into this what is it, the information paralysis or something where you too just, much analysis yeah. creates paralysis. And then you just keep going, like we're in a world of instant gratification. So mm-hmm. if I ate healthy for breakfast, I already want a result. You know, I love the little meme that floats around. I don't even, I can't even quote it right now, but it basically says, you know, I ate healthy. I worked out. I've been doing this for three days where's my summer body, you know, like, and really the three days is kind of that magic because we put in the time and usually most people can go pretty strong for three days, but then they mess one thing up and they go, screw it. I'm just going to, I'll try again another time, another Monday, another month, another new year. And then in that time frame, they're just absorbed with all this other information. Oh, should I try this plan or that plan? And quite honestly, the plan's these days are complete opposite of each other. So you can go, hey, yes, carbs are healthy. They're going to help fuel your muscle. And then somebody else goes, never eat a carb or you'll never lose a pounder or it's horrible for your muscles. And the reality is, is we need all of our macronutrients. And then we just vilify every single food group or every ingredient known to man. So then you go to follow a plan and it's probably a pretty decent plan but it has something else that somebody says was bad. So then we get into this vortex of just constantly second guessing ourselves. And why would we want to continue on with a plan if it's not the right plan? So then we just ditch it and then keep this really ridiculous cycle up. I get it. You mentioned something about second guessing ourselves. We second guess ourselves. I have been caught up in second guessing myself so many times. And I think I'm over it a lot. I've got some great friends around me that have really helped, including some people that have been able to kind of name it when they hear it from me. And so the power of friendship has been really good. But how do you break the cycle of second guessing yourself? It sounds like that's a lot of what you're working with, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Obviously, when somebody comes to me, maybe we're not going to deep dive right into spirituality. We might. um, But I think Marty said it earlier, you know, a lot of it has to do with if we know that we're on the right path, no matter what, and God's placing people in our lives, he placed a plan in our lives, whatever. And then all we need to do is follow. It makes it a lot easier to follow. And I personally had a tremendous amount of issues with this food thing because I've had a mysterious illness for probably at least eight years now. And it's just progressed over time. And it's really only God in my relationship with him that's been able to probably keep me sane at this point because nothing's been more difficult to really never know what food is causing me to not feel well. You know, so, I mean, that's kind of another whole topic, but ultimately you have to come in and realize if you're following a nutrition plan that 
is giving you whole food. And that maybe even is using supplementation because sometimes we villainize that too, that we are going to get somewhere, but we have to see it through to fruition. I make tweaks to you know the plans all the time. I make tweaks to my own plan. I make tweaks to the plans with people I've been working with for years or my brand new person. We're always gonna make tweaks. Our taste buds are gonna change. Our body needs and wants are gonna change. But ultimately at the end of the day, if we're not just going to fast food and drinking pop and chips all day, we're going to make progress. The unfortunate thing is sometimes we don't see the progress in the way that we're looking for. You know, with the primarily I work with mostly women and they're only judging their whole self-worth and whether a plan is working and whether or not the scale budged in the right direction. Heaven forbid it actually goes up, but they're sleeping better. They have more energy. They could literally be in a new size clothing a week later and they will think they failed because the scale stayed the same or went up. Okay. You're right where I wanted to ask this question. So you already beat yes. me there, but I want to ask you this. What is health? Okay. What is health? What does it mean? Because I don't think people have a vision of that. What are we aiming at? You know, ultimately, I think when we can feel good and we can serve ourselves and we can serve others and ultimately the way we feel about ourselves, the food we put into our mouth is tremendously affecting our brain, how we're sleeping, Marty, how we're doing all of that. And if we're not thinking clearly, then that leaves a whole lot of room for the devil and every other little negative Nancy thought to come in. But if we're feeling good, we're feeling our body, even if we're not at the weight that we feel like we should be or want to be, yes, excess like visceral fat is going to cause other issues. We want to trim down and get off the excess fat, but being in a bikini or having six pack abs is not what health is, you know? Right on. Our size is great. Maybe that's going to make a difference, but ultimately everything changes, not just the clothes that you get to wear or the number you see on a scale. Yeah. So look, um, it's stress because here's what happens. If we, you know, take a, a, an assay, a blood assay, this has been shown over and over. If we have a cortisol release, that stress hormone release, Compare that to blood sugar when you eat a piece of cake and you're spiked more from the stress because, mm-hmm. you know, your liver, uh, you know, releases the glycogen, right? Because it thinks that you're going to be attacked for all your body knows uh, the neighboring tribe is attacking you, right? It, body doesn't know. It, it just knows, uh-oh, 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 could be a thought. It could be whatever. And then your blood sugar spikes. I have one, I have lots of patients, but one I'm thinking of right now. She just dumped a bunch of weight as she started becoming more peaceful. And I asked her, well, what have you been doing? Nothing. Nothing that she could think of, but her body was calm. And that's where you, you, you let loose of, uh, you know, fat. You're not in the fat storage mode, right? You got to have peace. Yes. I think that's where a lot of people find when they start working with me, they find this huge difference and they always come to me and they say, you never make me feel wrong. And every time I beat myself up, you totally turn it around. I'm not just like, oh, don't beat yourself up. We talk about that, but I use that analogy a lot with the hormones and that we're just, when you're stressed, 
I don't say the neighboring tribe attacking, but I'm like, we're wired to go, oh, I've got to fight a bear. I better hold on to all my fats. I said, so it doesn't matter how great you're eating if you're constantly worried about how great you're eating. So I really give permission and work. It's a onion peeling process to work at. We don't need to just worry about and focus on our food 24 seven and get the results. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about eat the cake, eat the cookie, and then don't stress about it. And at this time of year, I like to say, like, really think ahead. Where are you just full out going to give yourself permission to just go nuts and enjoy it all? And where are you going to say, you know what? I want that one meal. I can have cookies any time of the year, but I can't have grandma's pumpkin pie every time of the year. You know, like. So, but yeah, we, we put way too much emphasis. And if you're somebody who's overweight, who's looking to lose weight, or even somebody who's really wanting to get those six pack abs, you're constantly thinking about what you're putting in your mouth to the point of overloading stress and then negating your results. One of the things that I end up talking about a lot is humble confidence and humility and the idea of humility, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less and self-forgetfulness. How much of the stress in the clients you see or the patients that you see, how much of their stress is coming from them obsessing about themselves versus forgetting about themselves? Do you ever see patients who are self-forgetful in a, in the healthy way? Well, I mean, I really think that that is just the true basis of it all. If I can get them even for a couple of days to just give themselves permission to not worry about everything or in the way that I just kind of make it simple because we can get ready for something and then we're flying out the door and then we're like, oh, there goes my perfect lunch I finally made for myself. I was doing so well, you know, but we just set out these little tiny systems to help with those things. But it, it really is this constant obsession, you know, going to the family gathering and do I eat it or not? Like I know one of my girls, she's she's lost a tremendous amount of weight, but she still puts this emphasis on I'm not where I'm supposed to be, though. And it took her years to go out with her friends and just eat the healthier thing because she was so concerned with not fitting in. And she's like, I finally just ordered like the salad with the chicken while everybody else was getting the mozzarella sticks and no one noticed or said a thing. But I mean, she was so stuck in her head that, you know, she's in her twenties and she's going out and she's socializing with friends. When I'm here, I need to get the drinks and I need to get the greasy food because that's just what we do. And then she started noticing that every time they started going out to eat, more and more people started eating healthier foods. We just create with so much emphasis on, you know, this constant thought. And I like to joke, like, if you want the second piece of cake, go eat the second piece of cake. But we're so worried that somebody's going to notice that we went and got an extra cake. Okay, so here's what it is. Because like, look, if you're not going to stare at yourself in the mirror all day long and get much satisfaction from that, we're doing it because we fear the judgment of other people. 
feel mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, getting scrutinized or rejected or something like that. One relief for me when I came to the faith was it got a lot simpler when I only had one judge. That's it. Like wow. I don't, I was able to calm down and have confidence that if they don't like it, as long as I'm obeying, then I'm calm. I'm not, you know, I may be disappointed if someone rejects or disapproves of me, or I might not be, you know what I mean? Because I don't really care anymore. I won a judge. And what, what Christ says, and, and what we know from the scriptures about the Bible, there's plenty in there about how to relate to food, what its purpose is, what its meaning is, how we are supposed to think of our bodies. You know, can you talk a little bit about that kind of riff on that? I mean, we all go back to whether you know the Bible or not, you go back to we have a temple and it's our responsibility to take care of that temple. But at the same time, we're not meant to just live in constant condemnation because we think if we ate the cookie that we didn't take care of our body, you know, there's that psychological factor of I can enjoy a cookie and that's taking care of our body too. So when we're constantly beating ourselves up, we're not taking care of our temple anyway, because like you said, we only have one judge. If we know whose we are and who we are in him, then we don't have to worry about whether or not we can have a cookie or not. But we do. We spend a lot of time in this condemnation circle. Yeah, you know, Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we condemn ourselves. And I think a huge part of it is our image or what other people think about us. And I have two thoughts. And I love to collect quotes as a part of who I am and what I do. And I can only remember sticky statements anyway. And and one of the things we talk about is that we are basically performing for an audience of one. And, and if we could just understand that, of our identity of who we are in Christ, that kind of a thing changes everything. Even if you don't understand all about the Bible, like he said. The other thing is a great quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt, amazing person. She said this, you wouldn't care so much about what other people think of you if you realized how seldom they do. What a relief. What right. a relief that is. That's what I was going to say with the cake. I say, go have the second piece of cake. No one's paying attention. They're over there worrying about if someone will notice if they go get a second piece of cake. (laughs) Now, now just so the audience doesn't um, misunderstand this, think about cheat days. It's kind of paradoxical. I'll get around to that. You should probably call it something else. One thing I noticed about that, because I did this thing called Body for Life back, I'm older than you, so back, that that was what got me into fitness. Was that the the 90s or 2000s? I read that book. Was it like the 90s or 2000s? Late 90s, like 99, 2000. This guy's idea, Bill Phillips, was like, um, you know, stay clean and then one day do whatever you want. So a lot of us go, oh, cool, I got a license to do whatever I want. And what what, what we all found was uh, you just get sick of it. Once you have permission to do it, it takes the taboo out of it. And you just don't, eventually you just kind of give up that stuff because you don't like the way that it makes you feel anyway. Right. It's that naughty thing of, I'm not supposed to have that, so I'm going to have it. (laughs) Well, it's that whole psychological, don't push the button, you know, (laughs) don't push the button. And then everybody just wants like sitting there thinking about, well, but I want to push the button. What will, what will it do if I push the button? You know, we're given an instruction to not do something. So that's where I have that language. 
have a conversation with yourself and give yourself permission on what you're going to do. But don't tell yourself that you're not allowed to do something. Take that out of your vocabulary because then you just want it. That's right. I, one of my twins was like that. We were talking about this the other night and he's a really cool kid now. He's 17, young man. But he would like be bouncing the ball on the wall and I would look him in the eye too. He'd make eye contact. I go, don't bounce that on the wall again. He'd look at me, hesitate and bounce it on the wall. You yes. know, we just have that sort of thing where whatever you do, don't do it. Don't do that. You're <laughs> we wired now. that way. Yes. Rebelliousness, right? So if we just stop saying we can't have something, it becomes a little easier. Right. On. And then that also takes out the whole guilt and shame of it. Yeah. So I talk about this all the time. If we're always saying, I can't do this, I can't do that. Oh, oh, on Monday, I'm going to start this new plan. And by lunchtime, you're so stressed and everything went sideways. You still get lunch out with your coworkers or whatever. And you're like, we spiral into this instead of, oh, well, I just didn't stick to my plan for lunch. Oh, well, we created into this, turn it into this shame thing where, well, I'm a bad person because I said I was going to eat healthy for lunch and I didn't know you just didn't eat healthy for lunch. But so, and then that creates the hormones and the cortisol and all that because now we're stressing and it's just this constant cycle and this constant circle where we really just, I call it the guilt shame cycle. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. Really hard time to get off of that cycle. Yeah. Because look, disgust is, uh, is an emotion that's tied up in shame. It's half of what contempt is. So self-contempt is that's when you're angry and disgusted simultaneously at yourself. And that's when you look at yourself and you say some really awful stuff to yourself, you know, oh, you disgusting pig or whatever. Well, in the Christian worldview, we're God bearing, you know, we're image bearers, right? You, you, you never, I don't care who it is or what they've done, you, you don't look at another human being, even the one in the mirror, and think that thought about them, right? Because then what it does is it stresses you out. Those stress hormones, guess what? Blood sugar spikes, crashes, and you're hungry. Are you saying that your thoughts influence the hormones in your body? Cha, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Say more. Go ahead, Aaron. You know this. I'm not the the study of the the psychological world on that aspect, but yes, as a man thinketh, so is he, right? Mm. And it's so crazy how true that statement mm. truly is. So whenever we're thinking negative thoughts of ourselves, we're almost like a magnet pulling every proof that we can of every negative thing we could think of, or see, I, I'm bad at this or see this. The moment we can start to shift that, which it is like working out a muscle, it takes time, but then we only attract, you know, more of that proof that I am a good person. Mm -hmm. You start to see yourself in the mirror differently. Our brain and our body and our image and what reflects in the mirror and all and, and all the thoughts that swirl around. I mean, it really just comes down to when we're in that funk, that's why it's so hard to get out of a funk. And it's so hard to get past this, lose a few pounds and then continue to lose more and continue to lose more because the thoughts of who we are, we've created an identity. Yeah. What, what, what's, I mean, there's probably various individual differences, but if you had to say like, what's the key to getting past that? I mean, it really is a lot of self-talk and becoming self-aware that those thoughts are even there 
because we really cannot. We neuroplasticity is amazing. We can rewrite our whole story. It's incredible. That could be like another three shows just right. Well, that could be a show just in and of itself. But we really can create our truth. But if we just continue to tell our same story from when we were, you know, a teenager or even when we were a young child or when we were a college student trying to figure it all out and we felt fat or we didn't like our body image or shoot for me at this raspy voice. We didn't like the raspy voice or the loud voice. You know, I felt so condemned for so long because so many people told me I was loud. And I had a very clear awakening from God that said, I made you loud for a reason, right? Yes. Wow. Self-acceptance. I had to really like, I tried for years in a past place that Marty and I worked at to really make sure I was trying to be quieter because I'm this professional and I need to be quiet. And God made it very clear to me, actually just within the last two years that that's not what he meant for me to be doing i'm supposed to be loud so be it and again i only have that one judge so i know i got off on the sidetrack conversation but i mean we really do just create these stories of who we are and then we let other people dictate whether that's a good or bad thing yeah wow we have one judge and he loves us for who we are no matter how much of a hot mess we are You're right on. <laughs> and it'll work on us, but we have to start by simply just saying, and it seems cliche. It's not necessarily like I am beautiful. Look in the mirror, say it 10 times. And then the whole time you're like, but I'm not, but I'm not. <laughs> it just has to come down to the little things we have to recognize. Oh, I just said, look at that gross belly in the mirror again it really comes down to how we talk to ourselves. Let this sink in kitties. Cause this is a big, this is a big knowledge. Our mind can create matter. We think matter creates mind and in some ways it does. It's reciprocal. So what does it mean that mind can create matter? Matt, you said, Oh, so your thoughts can change your body. If I were to hook, if we were to hook you up on some biofeedback, um, you know, instruments and start measuring your blood pressure, your, uh, you know, whether or not you sweat, you know, galvanic skin response, all that kind of stuff. And you started really meditating on the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you and really vivified that in your mind, your body would start to change. Your blood pressure would go up. Your respiration would get shallow. You start kicking out some stress hormones. Nothing's happening in your environment. Your mind is doing that. Okay. So think about the potential we have if we really believe if we really, really believe what's being told to us, that, that you are precious, you know, you are in the image of God, you're no better than anyone else. And you certainly aren't any worse than anyone else. Right. And then that love that you can have for other people goes to you. Now it's everywhere. Your body becomes transformed. And we know some of the mechanisms too. You're calmer, right? Now you will become what you think, right? And, and you can see that too. People are transformed. You ever see a bitter person? who's been bitter for decades, it, it changes them, right? They, 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 they're transformed by, and have you ever seen someone who's just a delight to be around just light? I mean, it, it changes their, their appearance and we know it's related to stress, right? That's so good. You know, it reminded me a little bit, this conversation of kind of a famous verse from first Timothy four, eight, 
And he's talking about growing in the faith and growing in our personhood. I got two comments about it. One is he says this, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and for the life to come. Kind of goes to what we say every so often. It's from Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament that says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and women. And we've got this angst. We've got this pang for eternity and, and for what it's going to be like and how amazing it is. And that we're not designed just for now, just for time, separate from all of that. And the idea is he's saying physical training is really good. And yet there's a spiritual training without which we're going to miss out on huge dimensions of our lives is what I think he's saying. And this friend of mine was giving this message and she was talking about intentional faith development, that it doesn't just happen living life by itself. And she said this, there are no accidental mature Christians. There are no accidental, you could say mature people without taking time to grow, without making time. She said, one of the ways you do this, a woman was explaining, how do you make time? You're busy. You've got kids. You've got to get everybody everywhere. You've got your job. And she said this, I make a prearrangement with myself. I do other things on time, get to the gym, get the kids where they need to be. But I will let myself go before I would let somebody else go. And that's what some of us have to get good at. If I say I'm going to go to the gym at 6 a.m., I might hit the snooze three times. But if Marty says, hey, meet me there at 5.15, I will not want to let him down. And so I will be there ready to go at 5.15. Yeah, I teach I teach the ladies. Again, I do work with men, but I say ladies because I primarily work with ladies that we have to set those appointments. Like everyone for everything will always say I don't have time. But yet the moment someone else needs something, no matter how big of a meeting, no matter how big of a stressful this you're preparing or that, we drop it all and we'll run to that. Even if it's not a true emergency, yes, we're going to run if a loved one is at the hospital and something tremendous happens, right? But we will basically do that for everything that's somewhat emergent. We'll create it as emergency. And I, you know, scream to the hilltops to anybody who will listen to start saying, I am the emergency. Uh -huh. Nothing yes. that we can do more for other people than to make ourselves the emergency. Yes, that's important. We have to set the time or we're going to continue to let everything else get in the way. Yeah, and, and let me say this. It's not selfish to do that. No. You have no idea the effects that your health has on other people. Like when you show up in a good mood, the effect that that has on other people. Or, you know, I've been inspired not by what people told me. I've been inspired by people by watching them. You know, I, I got into fitness because I saw this one guy get in really good shape. You know, I, I, I got to see it, you know. So you're not being selfish by um, showing up in a good mood and doing those things that you need to do to take care of yourself. And not, and not only that, you're also modeling it for the people around you, you know, your family, your friends, your kids. You know, it's important for them to see you taking care of yourself so they kind of give them permission. So somebody is listening to our conversation and they haven't thought that much about it. 
how does somebody get in touch with you? What is the first thing that you talk to them about? Second question would be, what's something that somebody could do right now that would be a step in the right direction? Just whether they feel good or they don't feel good, or they're not sure if these aches and pains are something they can do something about. Yeah. Well, first off, anybody can find me on Facebook at More Nutrition or on Instagram. Um, but how I, I basically people find me and we just get into a conversation, usually on social media, we'll leave all kinds of information for for them to get in touch with me, whatever way works best for them. But decide on one thing that you want to do differently this week, because it really is about getting 1% better. We think that we need to start a whole new like life tomorrow because I want to start feeling better. I want to live this healthy lifestyle. I want to lose weight or get the six pack abs. So I need to completely change my diet and go from zero to 60. And I need to completely change from being a couch potato to going and working out for an hour and a half at the gym tomorrow. And then no wonder we feel like we fail because we can't live up to those expectations. So I would just, I would just say, really pick one thing. Now I'm like out of the gates kind of person. I like to just change it all and put it all into effect. But if you can't handle that, you are going to forget that perfect lunch and that you are going to forget your gym shoes and that you are going to miss something and the world's not ending. You still did amazing things for yourself. I would say pick one thing. Are you not drinking enough water? Just focus on water this week. If you eat out every day, maybe do three of them at home. Like any little bit that's better because then you get the momentum and then you start to feel that shift where you are starting to feel a little better. And then it's exciting to do more instead of feeling like a punishment because you messed something up. Yeah, the literature and psychology supports what you said. These small changes are very powerful. Just those small changes because they disrupt patterns. Right. Mm. That's good. I, I say to people, go for the easy win. What's an easy win yes. for you that you know you can do? And then you get to celebrate and feel good about it. And it makes you excited. That's good. Well, this has been exciting. Yes. It's been great. Parting shots. Ultimately, you know, as you go about your day, as you go about the rest of the week, it really comes down to just catching yourself when you're making yourself feel wrong for whatever it is. But in the realm of like, healthy lifestyle, eating better, losing weight, whatever the case may be, give it to God first and foremost, and he'll give you every step of the way. And he, he gives us every step of the way in all areas of our life. And we still mess it up every single day. And yet for some reason in the food department, we can't just be okay that we messed it up, but we can be okay that we messed other things up all day long. And so we need to start finding that like they're one in the same wow. that we mess up with mm -hmm. our food and still actually be doing great and amazing things that are moving ourselves forward. So just parting thoughts are start to become aware. If you wouldn't say those things to your best friend, don't say it to yourself. Just those shifts are what's going to start to carry you forward into this better just realm, not just health, but spiritually, mentally, all of it. Just start catching it because that's the first step is catching it. Love it. Good deal. What's hitting you, Marty? Uh, the big T, the truth. 
right? All that stuff, stuff sounds exactly right. It's the reason that these things aren't working is because they're not working. You're looking at the wrong thing. And then we keep trying another variety of that. It's way different that this is a spiritual battle. Food is a part of it. You know, your attitude towards yourself, transform yourself spiritually and watch what happens, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all those things that you want, you know, and physical things like that, they just follow. They're not the point. They're they're byproducts, but they're not even the best thing. The best thing is that you just start to feel uh, softer towards yourself and, and other people. You know, you have more peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Hey, listen, can I pray for us? Yeah, please. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you came to us. You did not leave us alone. I thank you that you, Lord Christ, said that I am the bread of life and that in you, we find contentment in you. We find peace in you. We find joy, not in this idealized version of everything that we think we have to be and have to do, but you love us just as we are. And I I pray Lord that you would help us just to own that and then to do what, what we'd like to do. And that you would be with us day in and day out, Lord, that you would help us to make good and healthy decisions, God, all in the same direction. And that we would just have grace for ourselves as we do it. Thank you, God, that that it is your purposes that we want to seek. I thank you so much for Erin being with us today. I pray a blessing on her. I pray a blessing on her coaching and advising and the way she comes alongside people and and the help that she provides people. I ask that you would bless her in so many ways. And thank you so much for a chance to have this conversation. It's not easy to talk about for many of us, and yet it's such a part of, of our lives and of who we are and of the goodness that you have for us. So we pray that you would bless all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.